Welcome back to another episode of The Pin Down. I'm your host, Alex, with your other host, Tyler, from Hoop Venue. And the NBA Finals are upon us, finally starting today. Uh, it is 9.30 in the morning on, uh, I guess it's June 2nd, 2022. Uh, so the NBA Finals will be premiering this evening. And uh, yeah, the the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. You know, the Boston Celtics were kind of the... I don't want to say the nerd pick, but they were kind of like the sleeper pick in the East. Not that they that they weren't good enough to be considered a, a pick to come out of the East, but you know, I'm not sure everyone really expected them to actually go through with it and and make their way through the Eastern Conference. They didn't really have an easy road to get here. Um, I mean, they had to go through Milwaukee, who yes, they didn't have Chris Middleton, but uh, still, you have to go up against Giannis, and uh, of course, they had to face the Miami Heat. Um, which is a task on its own. So, you know, hats off to them for making it here. Um, what are your thoughts on this series heading into it? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting talking points in this series. Like, uh, for one, the we've seen historically teams that give this Warrior team defenses, I should say, that give this Warrior team a little bit of trouble is switchable uh, like switch heavy versatile defenses and yeah. like I'm not sure you'll find one uh, in the last couple of years more built for that than the Celtics team like they, they're not just versatile and switchable either like they're legitimately just an amazing defense mm-hmm. like so far in these playoffs their their relative defensive rating like relative to their team's opponent team opponent offensive rating is a negative seven which is like one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's like I'm not sure where exactly that would rank in NBA history, but uh, I know that a negative seven is like historically dominant. Let me mm-hmm. check. They're actually yeah they're they're in the top fifty of all time uh, right now as a playoff defense. <laughs> so not only are they amazing, but they have the exact tools that you would want to stop a motion offense, a Steph Curry driven offense. Right. Now, that also brings up some interesting questions like even if your defense is that good, uh how can you stop explosions from the inevitable volatility of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole? Mm-hmm. Um and the answer is you can't. Like there's nothing you can do sometimes. Like even the very best defenses will just get torched by those offensive players. Mm-hmm. Those type of players that can just shoot seven for 11 from three on any given night. Yeah. So I I do think the Celtics defense will give the Warriors some headaches. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of adjustments they make. I don't think this is the type of situation where you can say, give Curry the ball more and have him uh, run, pick and roll because this defense will probably just eat that up. Yeah. And so for me, the question is uh, what kind of, series that we're going to see from Steph and Clay specifically. Uh, will they have that offensive explosion? Will they be shooting lights out? And I think that'll play a major role in this series because uh, I do think the Warriors have a talent advantage. I just don't know how much they'll be able to utilize that against this defense. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is interesting, and I've seen it brought up a little bit, but uh since the 2019 and 2020 season, the Warriors are one in five against the Celtics, which, you know, 
obviously the Warriors kind of went through that up and down season, those uh, that transitionary season where they were, um, you know, kind of struggling to get to the playoffs. Steph Curry was injured. Clay was still dealing with his injuries. Draymond was in and out of the lineup. Um, but this Boston team largely is 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 still the same team, the same overall core. Um, obviously with some different supplementary pieces around them, but, uh, it is interesting to note just how, how much success Boston has had against Golden State over the past, uh, two or three seasons now. Um, I don't know how much that will hold up in this year's playoffs, but, uh, I think of any team that could have come out of the East, I really think that Boston is the team that's going to give them the most problems, which is why I'm glad it was Boston to make it out of the East because I think it makes for a much more interesting finals matchup. To be honest, and I'm curious your thoughts on this as well, in in my opinion, if the Heat had made it to the finals instead of Boston, I did not like Miami's chances against Golden State at all. Their defense, I think, probably would have held up pretty well. I think they would have had a good shot defensively, but offensively, I just don't see a world where the the Heat aren't relying entirely on Jimmy Butler every single night like they already were against Boston. Uh, it's hard to imagine that that wouldn't have been the same situation if they were to go up against the Warriors. So, um, to me, that would have been a pretty quick series. Um but I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I, I tend to agree because you look at the Heat and the, one of the primary components in how that offense works is that they need good spacers. They mm-hmm. need floor spacing around generally Jimmy and Bam. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Tucker isn't much of a spacer. He, he can shoot in the corner, but they usually don't play him very hard on the perimeter mm. so they rely on guys like hero duncan robinson vincent max Struess to to be those spacers and to open up the floor the problem with that is usually their spacers are also poor defenders um and one thing we know the warriors like to do is take advantage of poor defenders yeah. so if you go into a warrior series they will find the one guy that you don't want guarding Steph Curry, and he will end up on Steph Curry. And mm-hmm. for me, they would just get eaten alive. Like, And then, like you said on the other end, I mean, you're relying on Jimmy Butler, who would probably be guarded by Andrew Wiggins with Draymond Green just helping off of Bam and making him shoot the midrange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't – I wouldn't like their odds. I To me – Warriors and Celtics can probably go to seven games. I'm still pretty – I'm not very confident in my pick, which we'll get to in, in a bit. Okay. I'm not 100% confident in my pick yet. But uh, if it was Warriors and Heat, I would have Warriors in five probably. That, uh, that would be confidence. my pick as well. Yeah. With confidence. So, yep. yeah, I, I don't I'm, – I'm glad it ended up like this because matchup-wise, the Celtics just have a – way better uh team structure to compete with this golden state squad i think yeah uh, another fun question that i've seen getting tossed around a lot of people are bringing up the odds for this and stuff um obviously steph curry and jason tatum are, are the 
uh, odds favorite to win finals MVP, depending on which respective team wins. Um, but who who do you see for both teams as a sleeper pick to win finals MVP? A sleeper pick is interesting because, like I said, you have the volatility of guys right. like Clay and Poole. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows if Clay will just come out and have one of them weird, like, 29-point-per-game series on 47% from three. Right. Who knows if Jordan Poole will give you 20-8. and eight. Who knows if Draymond will give you a triple-double with 40% from three. Right. I don't know if he's still capable of that, but we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately... For the Warriors, I would say the sleeper pick for me, uh, I almost want to say Andrew Wiggins. Like, I'm not the highest on Andrew Wiggins. I'm not the highest on Andrew Wiggins, but, like, realistically, I could see him having a huge defensive series for them while also giving you, like, a very solid 18 point per game on good efficiency. Now, I don't think the odds are very high on that because, personally, I think the, the at least the people who should be voting are now finally awake to the fact that Steph Curry makes everything work. So, even if he puts up an absolute stinker, I feel like he'll still win finals MVP. Yep. Um, because, like, people finally are starting to get it. Like, oh, Steph Curry's 10 for 30, but he was a plus 37. How does that work? Yeah. Um, Because the team is doubling him 35 feet away from the hoop. Exactly. That's why. So, uh, yeah, even if Steph Curry has, like, a very poor shooting uh, series for his standards, which can definitely happen against this defense, mm-hmm. um, I think there's not much of a sleeper pick on Golden State side because of that. But even if I did have to give it to somebody, I'd probably give it to Wiggins for the two-way impact. Mm -hmm. And on Boston, I'm going to say Al Horford because, because, I mean, we've seen what Al Horford has done in these playoffs. We've seen his ability to just, in crucial games, come through huge Mm -hmm. with, like, just these wild stat lines. Like, I didn't know Al Horford was still capable of, like, 30, 10, and 5, shooting 60% from 3. Mm-hmm. I knew he was still a very good defender, a very good anchor for this team, right? Uh, a good a good facilitator. But, like, the scoring punch he's provided when they've needed it in these huge swinging moments uh, could definitely see him having a big series and taking home a finals MVP. But like you said, the odds heavily favor Curry and Tatum, and that's for good reason. Right. There are very clear alpha dogs on these teams. It's not a situation where it's like the Warriors and you have, ooh, Curry or KD could do it. Um, no, these guys are very clearly the two best players on their team. Right. And uh, they also provide the largest stat lines. They impact the game in multiple ways. They both are like the two gods of plus minus in the game right now. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, those two for me are the pretty clear front runners. If I had to pick a sleeper, uh, it would be Horford or Wiggins. Okay. I think I agree with Horford, uh, from Boston side of things simply because, you know, Jalen Brown has been passable. I mean, he's been good. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I don't think his play style is, conducive to like going out there and getting a finals MVP like we know he's capable of those like really really big games where he's dropping like 30 40 points but 
I don't think this is the matchup where that's going to be able to happen. Um, I feel like those big games are oftentimes matchup based and he benefits from certain things that other defenses do that really open things up for him. And the Warriors are a team that I don't see that necessarily happening against. So I think Al Horford is definitely the right pick. If you're going to pick like a sleeper or someone to, you know, throw a couple bucks on, um, to win finals MVP. I definitely think Horford is the pick. Uh, but on the golden state side of things, Wiggins is a good pick. I think clay obviously could do it. You know, Draymond, if he has a crazy good series, potentially, um, but you mentioned Jordan Poole, and I've been thinking about the fact that like Boston's defense is going to be so, so geared towards you know taking Steph out of the game and trying to eliminate the advantages that you know him and Clay have together, and, and that Draymond creates. Um, so Jordan Poole to me is kind of like the 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 X factor, not necessarily the X factor. I don't know if that's the right word, but the, the guy who I could see going out there and because so much defensive attention is being focused on all these different guys. Uh, if Jordan Poole goes out there and, you know, drops 30 a night on good efficiency with, um, some solid playmaking, then, you know, I see, I could see a world where he, where he wins finals MVP, but you mentioned it earlier. I think the thing that you're fighting against, if you're a player on golden state, that, could potentially win finals MVP. You're fighting against the whole, like you said, even if Curry shoots bad or doesn't have a big game, uh, you're still fighting against the narrative that he, not necessarily a narrative, it's more just fact, but you're fighting against the fact that he is still such an impactful and positive player, even if he doesn't put up big numbers, which it's hard to imagine if Golden State wins it against Boston, uh, it's really hard to imagine that Steph's not going to get finals MVP regardless of the series that he has. Like you, uh, you would have to be insane to, you would have to put up numbers that are just unbelievably good to keep Steph Curry from winning finals MVP. Like to me, it's just not going to happen. If the Warriors win it, Steph Curry's going to win finals MVP. Right. And that's the thing. It, It also comes a lot down to the numbers because We've seen time and time again, finals MVP doesn't really have the same criteria as like a regular season MVP. Mm-hmm. It's more so like who put up the gaudiest box score in this series and won. Right. Like, so with Steph, I think people woke up to that, but like you still have people lacking behind them, like Draymond Green, for example. What yeah. if Draymond puts on an absolute defensive clinic while averaging like, 9, 11, and 12. Um, the points per game is too low. He'll get zero votes. Like, yeah. it's just not enough. So, and I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Brown, too, because Jalen Brown's case would be driven from his scoring because that's pretty much where he impacts the game most, like his points per game. Mm-hmm. And I don't see him being Boston's leading scorer. Yeah, so I don't either. Even if, even if he has a great series, he probably still won't outscore Tatum, so there goes that case. Um, you're, you're only left with a few guys when you really think about it, uh, how the finals MVP is historically voted on. And yeah. I think going back again, uh, if the Warriors win, yeah, I don't really think anyone else wins a finals MVP besides Curry, especially because of the whole uh, legacy award thing. We've seen time and time again, people do this 
for players uh, who are all time greats. They're like, oh yeah, let's uh, we need to give this guy his uh, his flowers. Let's go ahead and give him a Finals MVP. Like I'm not saying it's a, it's that simple, but you know what I'm saying. Like, right? Yeah, totally. These legacy awards, like he's that's the one thing he's missing. Like he has everything across the board except for a Finals MVP. So if he even plays decent and they win, they're gonna give it to him. There's just no yeah. way they don't. Mm-hmm. My question to you now is, and I know you're not a big accolades guy. I take accolades with heaps of context i have to you know and i think you do too the the context and the production that comes along with those accolades is more important than the accolades themselves uh like obviously andre iguodala has a finals mvp that doesn't necessarily mean he's better than steph curry obviously just because he has a finals mvp and steph doesn't um so accolades you know have to be taken with context um but my question to you is if steph and the Warriors win this, and Steph gets a Finals MVP, does that bump him up in your all-time rankings, uh, assuming he the production is consistent with what we've expected from Steph Curry? Would a championship and Finals MVP uh, added under his belt, do you think that puts him higher for you or no? Well, I'm pretty sure you're, you're relatively familiar with my kind of uh... – criteria for ranking careers right where i go into it with almost like a career value perspective yeah and i i essentially uh evaluate every season of their career and it gives me like a career score right so for me this finals performance can maybe open my eyes to some new things some new concepts like uh if i'm watching curry and and he does something specific that i like for example, watching him last year in that last stretch of the season, I started to pick up on how he improved his, uh, like he made up for his lack of handle and agility from his prime prime years, like MVP years. Yeah. Uh, by adding more like space creation, like the added sidestep, the step back counters, things like that. So kind of mitigated. Maybe I'll see some stuff from Steph in this final series that I didn't pick up on earlier in the season that kind of make him more resilient to these type of all time defenses that maybe he wasn't in 2016. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, uh, I win or lose, I kind of have my ma- mind made up on where I view Steph this season. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's as a strong MVP level player, a top five player in the league. Um, I don't want to get into the exact rankings because I do plan on making content on that in the future. Right. But yeah, he did move up for me in this season. Um, win or lose, he did move up on my list. He's starting to get really close to that uh, echelon of players that we like to act like are pretty untouchable. So uh, for me, that'll be some pretty interesting debates coming up in the near future. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to give up the exact placement, but after this season, he moved up three spots on my list. So you can imagine around where he ranks yeah, now. Yeah, because I, I, I vaguely remember where you had him in your in your last update of your uh, top 100, I think it was. Um, so I roughly think I know where you're talking about. For me, I think um, definitely the case becomes super interesting for him as a top 10 all-time player, whether or not you have him there uh, or you don't. The question that I am asking a lot to people who say, not that I disagree, and I'm not saying I don't have Steph top 10, 
and I'm not saying that I do, but my question to people who are saying Steph is a top 10 player of all time, like Kevin O'Connor tweeted uh, <clears throat> after they after they knocked out uh, the Mavericks, uh, Kevin O'Connor was like, Steph Curry is a top 10 player of all time, which I'm not saying I necessarily disagree with, but my question becomes, if you put Steph top 10 all time, you have to take out a top 10 all time player to put him in there. And if you go through the names that are traditionally put top 10 all time, I think it gets really interesting. And it's it's definitely a lot harder than I think some people are are acting like it is to take some of those players out to put Steph in there. Um, I don't have a specific person, but a lot of the names that uh, let me pull up the tweet, actually, because. I put out a pretty big list of names where I was like, these are traditionally the players that uh, get touted as top 10 all-time players, and uh, who do you take out? So I said, if Steph Curry is a top 10 player of all time, who among the frequent flyers gets knocked out? Not in order. MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Shaq, Hakeem, Bird, Duncan, Kobe, Wilt, Russell, and then you also mentioned KG, um, which I think is definitely uh, another frequent flyer. Um, so that's a really interesting question. Who do you take out? I and mean, there's so many good names. Some people said you take out bird. Some people said you take out Kobe. Some said Bill Russell. Some said, uh, Tim Duncan. Some said Hakeem. Some, some even said magic, which, which was, uh, really interesting to me. Um, some people said Shaq. Some people were like, Shaq is the obvious choice here. I was like, no way. I, I that absolutely blows my mind. I think Shaq is like. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm particularly high on most aspects of Shaq's game. Yeah. I don't see a world where he's even like below six personally. Yeah. Like I think he's, I think he is just a complete lock for one of those top spots. So, I think so too. To me, saying he gets knocked out of the top ten is absolutely absurd. Same with guys like Hakeem Olajuwon, who I see in that same like top six to seven lock oh yeah but uh people will gawk at that because of his accolade situation which again just throws me off i'm I'm not a huge fan of all that discourse so let me Um, let me ask you this uh i'm gonna go through some names from this list there are obviously gonna be some untouchables that we've already discussed i'm gonna go through names on this list and i'm not saying that you are taking these people out but do you view these players as on that quote unquote chopping block? Just yes or no. So number one, wait, wait, so you're saying, can I see Steph passing them is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So untouchables to me, uh, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Shaq, Hakeem. Uh, I think magic is probably one of those untouchables or close to it. Um, so here's, some names starting off Larry Bird he's the first one for me uh I don't I I wouldn't say I'm particularly high on Bird I do think he has one of the best peaks ever but like I said my criteria is career totality Bird didn't even have a decade under his belt before he had the massive fall off due to the injuries Mm -hmm. um it's a similar situation to Curry where you're comparing uh, kind of like peak heavy players who didn't have the longest primes and Curry's still going. He's still right. in his prime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, Curry 
is like definitely going to pass Bird on my list. He hasn't yet. He's still got another season or two. But um, barring injury, I do think he definitely passes Bird. Okay. Next one, Tim Duncan. That one's hard for me. I I don't really see it. I don't really see it. Um, Possible, yes. Uh, But for me, that would mean Curry's getting way up in there. And uh, I don't know what his longevity will look like. There's no way to predict his longevity. But what I will say is that it would take a lot because Tim Duncan probably has 20 high quality seasons. Yeah. uh, Which is just. (laughs) That's nuts. That's nuts. Tim Duncan was never. (laughs) Tim Duncan was never not a good player ever. Even in his very last season, he was playing like 28 minutes a game on a 67 win team. Like. He's never been not a good player. So for me, uh, yeah, Duncan's a tough one for sure. Okay. Uh, next one, Kobe. Another tough one. Um, again, I could see it happening. Just like Duncan, I see Curry as having a better peak than Kobe. Um, in, in quite a couple seasons better than Kobe's best, I'll add. Uh, but again, Kobe was a high quality player for how long? Like an right. MVP level player even mm-hmm. for a good 12, 13 straight seasons with no major injury. Um, yeah, Kobe's another tough one because you get into the career totality aspect and Kobe has one of the three to five longest and most uh, consistent primes ever. And that's just very tough to be if you're someone like Steph Curry, who is already 34, 33 years old. Yeah, I think I think with Kobe, I agree with you. That's that's a really tough one to pass. Um, Another one that was brought up a lot is Wilt. Man, Wilt's an interesting one, too. I think so, too. I think Will is a, an extremely rangy player because he's a guy who we don't have a ton of film or data on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is speculation on how much value he actually provided. And because he played in so many different play styles throughout his career, like he had the scoring, he, he, uh, he then turned into like an outlet playmaker. And then there was like just him being a defensive anchor. I mean, there were so many different things he provided at different times that make you question his overall value. So, for me, it comes down to the range. Steph, there's absolutely a situation where how you view Wilt, Steph Curry is already closing in on him. Yeah. But there's also a situation where where Wilt Chamberlain is like one of those untouchable top five players. Yeah, for and sure. There's just no way. For me, he's somewhere in the middle. I could see Steph passing him, but again, for me, it's a tough one. It's a, uh, it's it'll it'll just come down to how long Steph can maintain this level of play, mm-hmm. uh, and. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. It's kind of like in the uh, not quite the Kobe and Tim type of uh, longevity, but uh, I do think Will has one of the probably five to six best peaks ever. Yep. And again, was a high quality player for his entire career. So it's a tough one for sure. All right. Last one. And I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this because I think you've done a good job of kind of assessing this player's value and and really kind of opening a lot of people's eyes to just how good he was, even though he's another situation where we don't have a ton of film on him. We're lacking some of the data, but uh, still very much a a incredible player. Uh, Bill Russell. Yeah, Bill Russell is a good one, because if you value accolades at all, uh, Steph should not be close to him. Right. Um, 
which is weird because a lot of people who do value accolades will say Bill's the one on the edge of the top 10. Yeah. Uh, make that make sense? I mean, you can tax for era, but when a guy has 11 championships and five MVPs, uh, no matter who he was facing, it was in the NBA and you're valuing accolades. He should be in your top five, undoubtedly. Right. But uh, going past that, I think Bill is right with Wilt, where it's like one of the better peaks ever. I, I'm a bit lower on Bill's peak, probably around like 12 to 13, but the most consistent player ever. No one comes even close to him in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like, comes in the league as a rookie, is already arguably the best defender we've ever seen. Just gets better every year on both ends. Mm-hmm. Peaks around like 62 to 66, uh, and then goes right back down. Still an MVP player in his very last season, uh, and his rookie season probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just always a GOAT level defender. Developed a solid offensive game for his peak, uh, and then just was a high quality player every year. So, yeah. just like Will, I think uh, Steph can pass him. I see it being a possibility. Uh, would I bank on it? No. So, what I will say is if I had to guess, if I had to put a number on it and just just how the rest of his career will play out, predict it, uh, I do think Steph will end up 10th on my list. I think he ends just barely sliding into that 10 spot. Okay. And who knows? Like, who knows what his longevity will turn into? Like, who knows if he'll be 40 years old shooting 43% from three as a extremely valuable floor spacer who knows yeah. what he'll look like later on who knows how how far his defense will fall off when he starts to lose some of his quickness and motor but uh yeah generally speaking i do think he will at the very least have a compelling top 10 argument by the time he retires for sure yeah that's uh that's kind of where i sit with it right now um I think it's going to be really hard by the time his career is over, assuming, you know, assuming good longevity, which I think you can project with Steph. His game is not very much reliant on, you know, tons of athleticism. Obviously, his ability to get to the rim and finish um, his his space creation, like you said, those side steps and step backs and um, some of the stuff that he uses to to get open shots, which is more reliant on athleticism. Surely some of that will start to fall off at some point. But I think, yeah, assuming that doesn't happen, you know, next year, uh, I think it's going to be really hard not to put him top 10 all time. Um, So my next question, and uh, I think uh, I kind of can guess where you're leaning with this series. Uh, Who do you have winning? What's your what's your prediction? Um. Like I said, I'm not confident in this at all. I don't I, – I, I've been thinking about this pretty much the last couple of days, just like going back and forth. Mm-hmm. What I will say is the analytics are heavily favoring the Celtics in this series. They pretty are. Pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. But um, analytics can't capture everything. They can't capture coaching adjustments. Mm-hmm. They can't capture – uh, I guess they can somewhat capture scheming, but it's it's hard. It's not 100% accurate. Um, 
they can't really capture explosion probability. What I mean by that is like, there's no analytic that'll be able to predict if Steph Curry just makes 12 threes in the game. Right. Like how do the Celtics win that game? They don't. So when I, when I, when I look at the analytics, they, they're, they're very convincing. It's like, Man, Celtics are very heavily favored. Got to keep in mind, a lot of these are based on regular season numbers where the, the Warriors never really put it all together in the regular season. There was always someone out, uh, something missing. And uh, ultimately, my pick, Warriors and seven is where I'm leaning right now. Ooh, interesting. Warriors and seven is where I'm leaning. I'm curious to hear where you lean on this. I... <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat as you. A lot of, you know, models and, and numbers are predicting Celtics pretty overwhelmingly being the favorites, not necessarily saying that they're the odds on favorite because a lot of uh, a lot of sports books have the Warriors as, as title favorites. Um, but I would say this series is probably as close to a toss up as you could get. Um I don't think it's a situation where there's like a clear overwhelming best team because up and down each of these rosters, you have very high quality level players. Every single player on each roster is a good player and their rotations are so tight at this point. Um, the coaches are both very, very reliable coaches when it comes to adjustments. They, they understand what they need to do to, fix a problem and then it's very much a try this and then adjust accordingly and this series to me just is a complete toss-up but just to play devil's advocate i'll say boston and seven um i'm probably just barely leaning boston in this series but granted it's like fifth to me in my head it's like 51 percent boston and 49 percent the warriors so it's about yeah, as close it's... to a toss-up as you could possibly get I something I was thinking about mostly when deciding is it fair to say uh, the team that wins the series is just simply whoever is healthier? I mean, yeah, I feel like that's really what could happen. Like, what's what what's the situation with Gary Payton? Is Iguodala going to get any minutes? Um, is Marcus Smart going to be fully healthy? What about Robert Williams? I yeah. think it comes down to health and. The reason I lean the Warriors is because they've had so much more rest. Like the Celtics just got out of a grueling game seven. Um, they obviously, they had a few days to rest, but the Warriors have been off for how long now? Right. Um, for me, that's just ultimately where I went. Like, like from a team competing standpoint, I couldn't decide. So I had to draw from other areas of basketball. And for me, it was just which team's going to be more healthy. Warriors have more rest. I'll go with them. That's kind of where I was with the whole thing. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned Rob Williams, and I think it's kind of been like the idea that Rob Williams' health is going to be the X factor has kind of been done to the, done to death, but it's the truth. Like Their success will be largely dictated by how healthy Rob Williams is and how close to 100% he's going to be able to impact the game with his defense and even his offensive arsenal that is still super underrated by most people. Um, and then obviously on the Warriors side of things, you've got like Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton, who are both 
projecting to to be back in the lineup just how healthy they'll be is is a is a is an interesting question i mean gary payton uh broke his elbow which i don't know if you've ever broken a bone before but when i broke my arm it's it wasn't something that like oh i broke my arm i went through the timetable to heal and then all of a sudden my arm was fine and i don't know if it's the same for a broken elbow but for me it was like i broke my arm and i had to work that thing back to strength over the course of like over a year like it wasn't something that happened overnight so gary payton being at 100 percent, him still being able to granted it's not his legs that were hurt um so i think that's you know a promising sign it's not like he was much of a of a shot creator or, or necessarily an amazing floor spacer or anything like that um but still it will be interesting to see if that elbow hinders him at all which who knows uh and then Otto porter jr obviously has shown how fantastic of a role player he is um Mm -hmm. it's been really fun to see him find a place in golden state where it's like holy cow he's a good player he's just been on bad teams for his entire career and i wanted him on the lakers so bad man oh i bet his his i remember specifically his 2018 season was like I don't know how people weren't talking about it. Like in 2018, he ever he shot 44% from three on over four attempts a game um, while averaging like 15 and six mm-hmm. and being a good defender. Like he was a legitimately good, good player, like sub all-star territory. And people kind of just, like you said, because he was on a bad team. They didn't really see it much. So when this offseason came and I was looking at free agents, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we need a porter. We need a porter. And when he got signed with the Warriors, it was like a dagger to the heart. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Otto, mm-hmm. not a warrior. <laughs> I like that uh, I was listening to uh, the low post and, and they were talking about the fun thing with Otto Porter is obviously he's operating more as like a floor spacer and a cutter uh, for them. But it is really fun like when he gets the ball late in the shot clock and uh you know he's you know got five seconds and he has to create a shot and he'll just like dribble into a mid-range and it's just yeah like like absolute fade away yeah and you're just like holy cow (laughs) it's uh yeah i think he's definitely one of the x factors to watch in this series um but again i think it's toss-up I think uh, most people who are looking at this from a rational perspective, I think, could kind of see it going either way. Uh, one thing is for sure, I think we're in for a pretty fantastic series. I hope so, man. I really hope so, because those conference finals were very disappointing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, they were very rough. disappointing. But uh, yeah, I'm just hoping I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say I prefer either team because I don't. I would love to see the Celtics win it. I would love to see Steph Curry, my favorite player in the NBA, get a finals MVP. I would love to see Draymond Green get number four. I would love all these outcomes. Um, I think Jason Tatum will get some more respect if he wins the finals MVP. Mm-hmm. I think Horford, uh, in my opinion, a top 100 player ever, should get that pedigree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't have a preference. I just – my only preference – a good series. That's all I care about. Yep. A good series. Give me a good series and I will be satisfied. Yeah, I uh I'm in the same boat. 
I think that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Alex Hoops at KG's Goat. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channels, Alex Hoops and Hoop Venue, and also the pin down where I swear we'll start posting content there eventually. Uh, so stand by for that. And uh, yeah, if you made it this far, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode.